You guys know what that means? Define the relationship. It's that gut-wrenching moment when you're dating someone and they ask, so um, where is this going? You been there? It's that, that moment where it, it's beneficial if you're going to move forward. Did I turn this on? I did. Can you hear me? Am I good? Okay. No? How about now? Is it coming on? It's that gut-wrenching, it's that gut-wrenching moment when, uh, when someone asks, where is this going? And, um, and it's necessary to move forward in order to... Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> we'll figure this out. I can shout for a little bit. Um, it's necessary to move forward in a relationship. You have to define like where we are going if we see this moving forward. But it's also that moment that's terrifying if it's sprung on you and you don't see it coming and you don't see this relationship going anywhere. <laughs> and it's not just important with relationships between you and someone you're dating. It's also important in, uh, in business relationships. Seven-ish years ago when Grace Christian School approached the leadership here to rent space from us, we had to define the relationship. What is this going to look like? They're a Christian school, and so it, it, their, their mission is similar to ours as far as providing an education with biblical principles and a Christ uh, centered uh, school setting education, but their focus is education, where ours a couple weeks ago, we saw our mission was, was making disciples, right? So it's similar, but for a while, when they first came, they were tenants. They were paying us rent to use a space that we weren't really using during the week. And over the years, that's come to change a little bit. And we've had to RTR, redefine the relationship. And we've come to see them more as partners in ministry. We've come to see them as a ministry partner of ours that uses our space, but they are doing some good things. And I am so excited for them to come next week. You guys are in for a treat as their praise band and their praise team leads us in worship. Um, Catherine's going to share a little bit about the school and some students are going to share um, about their experience here. And I think they have a student giving her testimony. I am so so, so excited for you guys to experience and, and just get a taste of what we've come to learn and find out about GCS over the last few years. But it's important that we define this relationship. It's important that you, as a disciple of Christ, as a Christian, part of this organization, Mechanicsville Church of Christ, define the relationship. If you're a part of us, if you come here and you worship on a regular basis, it's important that we define this relationship, and in order to define the relationship, of, as we've talked about over the last few weeks, we have to know, you have to know what our mission and our vision is, and make sure that we align, make sure that you can get behind what the leadership has set as this mission and vision of who we are as an organization. And as we talked about, Jesus gave us his mission, our mission, to make disciples in Matthew 28, to make disciples and that is what we as individuals, as Christians, are supposed to do. And that's what we as an organization strive to do, is make disciples. And so the final aspect of this, over the last couple of weeks, we've talked about our vision of love God, love people, impact the world for future generations. And today we're focusing on that impact the world aspect of our vision. And as we do that, we, we summarized um, kind of what we saw in the early, in the early church. We've been looking through the book of Acts because those were the disciples, those were the apostles, those were the people who walked with Jesus as he was here on earth. So as soon as he left, 
These are the people that should know better than anybody what it means to be a disciple and how to make disciples. And so what we see, what we're going to see, is a key aspect of what they did was service. But service in our world and our language today has a kind of a, a totally different aspect, and we as leadership didn't feel like service really covered everything that's expected and of disciples and making disciples, and so we, we broadened it just a little bit to impact the world because ultimately that is the outcome of service. But what we see even in Jesus' life and Jesus' ministry is that he set the standard, he set the example for us to serve others in very real and practical ways. The night before, the, the moments before he was crucified, he was in the upper room having Passover with his disciples, one final meal with his uh, closest friends. And what does he do in the middle of that meal? He takes off his outer robe and puts a, a towel around his waist and he starts to wash his disciples' feet. And maybe you've seen that in a wedding ceremony. Maybe you've seen that uh, at a couple different points as, a, as a, a way of saying we're going to serve the other person or we're going to serve other people. But it's not really that common in our world today as it was back in Jesus' day. If you were traveling, you had dirt roads. They had maybe some brick roads here and there, but they were still covered in dirt and dust, and your feet were filthy after traveling. So maybe a, a child in your home, if you didn't have a servant, or, or a servant, if you were more wealthy at the time, would come and wash the guest's feet as they entered their home. But Jesus wasn't a servant. It wasn't the job of a rabbi or a teacher like Jesus is. Certainly is not the job of our God to wash the feet of others, but that's what we see him do. And in John chapter 13, as he's finishing, he said to them, Do you know what I've done for you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, wash your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should do as I did to you. So what the, what's going to happen is, is the guys are going to come forward, and we have basins and towels, and we're going to wash each other's feet here, because this is the example that Jesus set for us, right? Okay, maybe not. He didn't actually set an example for us to wash each other's feet, but there's a principle there, right, of serving one another, of taking this job that's reserved for servants, for people who are kind of thought of as less than. And Jesus said, I set this an example for you to humble yourself and to serve others, to serve other people. And this is what we see throughout the book of Acts of what the early disciples did, the early apostles, the, the early church did, is that they served in crazy, amazing, radical ways. And we're only going to look at a couple, but there are so many more examples of this throughout Scripture. But we're only going to look at a couple. And what we see in Acts chapter 3 is that Peter and John are going to the temple to pray. And as they go, they come up to, to this uh, specific door, and what they see at this door is a man who is paralyzed. And for years, people had brought this man to the gate to beg for money. He was paralyzed. He couldn't work. He couldn't earn an income. And they brought him to beg. And Acts chapter 3, Peter and John look at him intently. And Peter said to him, look at us. The lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene, get up and walk. A few years ago, I, I haven't heard it about it as lately, which is a really good thing. 
Um, but a few years ago, I heard that one of the things that was popular among Christians is to have like a track or a business card kind of thing that says silver or gold I have not, but what I do have is more valuable. And on the back was the name of the church and, and church service times. And they would leave that when they go out to eat at a restaurant with waiters and waitresses. They would leave that instead of a tip. That is not the example Peter and John gave us. They take this passage, and they take parts of this passage, but Peter and John did not go up to this man and say, hey, it looks like you're hurting. Let me tell you about this man, Jesus. Okay, have a great day. That's not what we see Jesus doing. We don't see Jesus healing or uh, just teaching the crowds and saying, here, let me tell you about my God, my Father in heaven, all that he can do for you. He can forgive your sins. I see that you're sick, but uh, have a great day. I told you about what's most important. Now, now I, I won't even argue. Like There is value, and it is so precious to know about Jesus and know about eternal life and know that he is full of grace and love, and he forgives us of our sins, and that is incredible. But what we see Jesus doing, what we see Peter and John doing, is meeting a physical need. They don't just give them some money. They don't just give them the name of Jesus and walk off. They don't even say, hey, I can heal you, but then you're going to sit there and listen to, uh, to what I have to say about this man named Jesus. And I feel like sometimes in the church we have this kind of bait and switch, this catch-22 that like we're going to, we'll, we'll serve you, we'll give you this, we'll help you out, but we'd like you to come to the church. We'd like you to come to a worship service. We'd like for you to come and, and hear what we have to say. But that's not even what we see from Jesus. That's not what we see from Peter and John. It's not a, I will help you if you do something for me, if you just sit and listen to me. If you come to a worship service, it is, I'm just, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to love you. I'm going to meet this physical need that you have. Because sometimes people just need to know that you care about them as a person. Hannah teaches at a school up in Ashland, and she's taught at a couple different schools in Hanover County. She's taught um, in Lynchburg, Virginia as well. And one of the things that she is probably griped about more than anything else is the expectation that administration has, that school board has, that, that people above her have, that kids get perfect scores. They're all about scores without actually looking at the child. And sometimes kids come into her class who didn't eat dinner the night before because the parents didn't have any money for food. And they don't know when they're going to have their next meal because they didn't have one last night. And it's hard for us, it's hard for me, to actually put myself in that shoe because <laughs> I've always at least had a credit card. I haven't always been great about money, but I've always had a credit card. And if I'm hungry, I can go down to the, to the store and get something. And you might be on a shoestring budget. You might be trying to get out of debt. You might be trying to, but at the end of the day, if you're hungry, if your kids are hungry, you have the ability to feed them. And for some parents, for some families, that's just not an option. And I know how I can get when I'm hangry. I can't imagine being seven, eight years old, not knowing where my next meal is coming from and still being expected to get an A on a test. Or to read? I'm sorry, but I had, I had more, more pressing needs than that. She said that she had a student actually come to school not wanting to read, not wanting to do anything, and come to find out by the end of the day 
this student had a pillow in their book bag because they didn't know where they were going to stay the night that night. They at least wanted to have their pillow with them. How can we expect people to be open to the good news of Jesus Christ if their physical needs are not met? And for this man, for Peter and John, he probably had some food. He had people who would carry him. He had people who would look out for him. It's not even the most basic needs we're talking about. We're talking about maybe your neighbor whose spouse just went into the hospital and they need their grass cut. We're talking about things that we might not even see as, quote, needed or necessary. We're talking about simply meeting the needs of people. And that's what we see Jesus doing. And that's what we see Peter and John doing, is meeting physical needs. The other thing that, the reason why just service doesn't really encapsulate this, this impact of the world, while we broadened it a little bit, is what we see in Acts chapter 4. And in Acts chapter 4, it says that there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. What the early church understood, what these early disciples understood, is that we can't take any of this with us. Is that this treasure that we have, this knowledge we have of Jesus Christ, is so much bigger than any possession. And the ability to share this with other people, the ability to meet each other's physical needs, the ability to share this good news is bigger than, than accumulating wealth. It's bigger than this plot of land I own. It's bigger than my house. It's bigger than anything I own. And instead of holding their material goods, instead of holding their wealth in the fist with their fingers closed, they opened their hand and said, if there's ever a need, here it is. I'll sell my land, I'll sell my house, I'll, I'll sell whatever I can in order to serve, in order to love on others. And there is an extreme amount of generosity. And I can't, I can't even begin to imagine what would happen if we would do this. If we would serve in this way with no strings attached, with no agendas, with no hidden motives, if we could be that generous, not just giving what, what God, what Jesus asked for in the Old Testament of, of the basic 10%, but we gave above and beyond in that, what would it look like? What could happen if we were so generous with our finances, if we were so generous with our time, with our abilities, with our resources? Inevitably, inevitably people would be intrigued. And they'd ask a question. Why are you doing this? Why are you so generous? You see, Peter and John didn't go into the situation. They didn't see this man and heal him for the purpose of proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. But inevitably, that's what happens, and that's what we see in Acts chapter 3. While he, the man that they just healed, clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together uh, to them in the portico that was called Solomon's, and when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. He didn't go into this, this situation thinking that if, oh, I could do this great thing, then a crowd would come and I can proclaim the name of Jesus. But he took advantage of it when it happened. 
He took advantage of it when a crowd gathered. Because when we can radically love people in this way, when we can radically serve and be generous, God opens a door. Because at the end of the day, Jesus Christ died on the cross to make us disciples. So we also have to clarify, as we talk about through this series of making disciples, it is not our responsibility to change hearts, to change lives. It is our responsibility to love God, to love people, and to impact the world. It's our responsibility to gather together for worship. It's our responsibility to be connected in life groups, to dive into God's word and be in community together. It's our responsibility to serve and to be generous. It's our responsibility to be disciples, to set the example, and to to speak when people are intrigued, when a crowd gathers to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and have an answer ready when people ask us why. Why? So the serious question that we've been asking and wrestling with over the last few weeks is that it's important for you to know as disciples what's expected of you, and it's expected you need to know what, what we do as an organization, as Mechanical Church of Christ, how we're doing it. Now, as we talk about this, I just want to remind you about the scripture I mentioned a couple weeks ago, Ephesians 4.11, that talks about he gave prophets, evangelists, teachers to equip the saints. So my job, my role here on staff is to equip you. And so as we talk about service, the way that we do this as an organization is that it's a lot easier for us to reach out to nonprofits and organizations in the area to get ideas, to be able to build connection and build relationship so that you can serve. Three years ago, three and a half years ago, when I came, I went over to Mechanicsville Elementary School, and I met with Dr. Robinson, and I said, just dream with me for a moment of what you want this school to look like in 10, 15 years. And I said, I'm not promising that we can do everything, but dream of what it could be. And I do promise that we will do what we can. So I was very clear up front to do two things. One, I'm not going to promise anything. I don't want to over-promise and under-deliver. Instead, I would like to under-promise and over-deliver. So I was very careful not to promise anything. But two, I was also clear that this, this isn't a bait and switch. I don't want to come into this and say, like, we're going to do all this to get our name out there. This isn't a PR stunt. This isn't a publicity stunt for us. We're not doing it for our name. And most of the things that we've done for that school, parents don't know about, students don't know about. For the last couple years, we've collected uh, items at the beginning of the school year for the teachers to give to the students. And our name's not been on that. One year it was bubbles. We collected bubbles and I printed off labels that said, I'm bubbling with excitement that you're in my class this year. Do you remember that? And we just put labels on those bottles and our name wasn't on that anywhere. And teachers were able to give that to the students and the students thought it came from the teachers. Because we simply want to love on them with no strings attached. And what that does over time is they start trusting us as an organization. They start trusting us that we're, we don't have any alternative motives. We're not trying to get anything out of this. And it provides opportunities like we had this summer when they called and said, hey, we just had a teacher who lost her husband. Can you guys help in any way? And you guys, the church, I was the, the, the contact point, but I brought it to you guys because we are to, um, and, and to equip you, to empower you to do ministry. 
And you stepped up, and we covered mowing her grass for the rest of the year. And it was awesome. Today, we wanted to, uh, to also start a, uh, a new fundraiser, a drive, as we talk about equipping the saints to do ministry and to serve, and we want to get you guys involved. And so with Sanctity of Life Sunday, with our baby dedication earlier, I reached out to the Pregnancy Resource Center. And I said, hey, do you guys need anything right now? Are you doing any kind of drive? And they said, hey, we're actually doing our baby bottle drive. And so what it is, we have 50 baby bottles back there for you guys to take home. Just, just take one, take two if you'd like, um, but just to fill it with change. As you buy stuff and have change in your pocket at the end of the day, just drop the change in there. And there's, there's a, a list in the bottle of this is what so many quarters will buy, this is what so many dimes will buy and nickels will buy, and, and a little bit about what they do and who they are. But it's a lot easier for me on behalf of the organization to reach out to these places and to organize and to equip you. Earlier this year, we had a couple groups come to me and say, hey, are there any families at McCainsville Elementary School that could use meals for Thanksgiving and for Christmas? And it's a lot easier for me, who's been in contact with them, who's built this relationship with them and developed this relationship over the last three and a half years, to reach out and say, hey, we would have liked to provide meals for families. Is that possible? It'd be a little weird if you went to the school and said, hey, are there any families that could use a meal? We just need names and addresses. We'll drop it off. They're not going to do that. But because over time, we've been able to build a relationship, you were able to do it. And it was awesome. I also want you to know that the other way that we do this, is the other way we serve and impact the world, is that we want to be generous. We want to be generous and give 10%. We cannot ask you guys to be generous in your finances and to give 10% to God if we are not willing to do the same as well. So 10% of everything that we bring in goes in. It's a totally separate checking account. It's completely separated off. And we have a missions team. And they work to know the nonprofits in the area. They work to know different organizations around the world. And they give generously. Now, some of that money sometimes goes to you guys. If you want to go on a mission trip with us, there are those resources available to help you out. We know that mission trips can be expensive. But we want to be generous with our finances the way you are generous. And so we give, we give 10% away. Now, that's how we do it. So I also have to ask, how are you doing it? How are you serving? How are you impacting the world? I hope that you choose to serve here at MCC. We have an awesome children's uh, program going on right now. We have greeters. We have the praise team and tech team up there. We have a lot of need for volunteers. But we also need to serve in our community. I'll tell you, I was convicted of this a couple years ago. Um, it's easy for me to... to as a staff member, blur this uh, what is work and what is service kind of thing. Um, we have an event coming up on a, in a couple weeks on a Saturday night. That's not really work hours for me, um, but I'll probably be there. VBS is not really work hours, but I'll still volunteer and I'll still serve during vacation Bible school in the summer. Um, but it is also kind of an expectation of my job that I'm there, that I participate, that I lead it if it's an activity that I'm leading. So I wanted to, to have something that I, I did that was independent. I didn't want it to be attached because I, even though I have a job here at the church, I'm on staff, 
that's not, it's not an excuse and a reason for me not to do my Christian responsibility of service as well. And so I found an organization, Richmond Justice Initiative, and I volunteered with them for a little bit. And I came to find out over the next few months that I don't think this is the right fit for me. And so I told them, like, I'd still want to be involved, I still want to be connected, and I still am today, but I don't, I don't spend as much time volunteering with them because it just it wasn't the right thing. About a year ago, um, through our relationship with Grace Christian School, I ran into the uh, chief of Hanover Fire EMS and asked if they had chaplains, if they needed a need, had a need for any chaplains in the department, and he said they did so since June, I've been volunteering as a chaplain with Hanover Fire EMS, and it's, it's been awesome. I mean, what kid doesn't dream about being part of the fire department, right, and riding on the big red trucks? Like, it's just like a kid's dream come true. It's awesome. Um, but I've, I've enjoyed it, and I try hard. I'm thankful to have a job that's flexible during the week, but I try hard to keep that on my off time in the evenings, on my off days, because that's not a part of my job. It's a part of my responsibility as a Christian, as a disciple, to serve. So how are you doing it? That's part of the reason we're here. If you want to get involved in a nonprofit, come ask me. We'll talk about what some of your gifts are, what some of your talents are, what some of your passions are, and I'll try to point you in the direction of either one of the ministries that we support or of another one I know about in the area. Like, again, that's part of our responsibility. What we want to do as an organization is to equip the saints. And I also need to ask, are you being generous? Are you giving 10%? I know that's a lot of money. I, about a year or so ago, Hannah and I started going through the process of seeing what we would be pre-approved for to buy a home in the area. And once I got past the, uh, the shock of how expensive homes are in this area, uh, we, we, went to the, we went to the bank and we were approved for a lot more than I thought we would be. And we found out what our monthly payments would be, our mortgage payment, and, and we sat down to look at the numbers and it just doesn't add up. We just can't make this work. And we pinched pennies and, you know, budget imaginary numbers, and we realized that the only way we can make this work is to stop tithing. And immediately we said, we're just not willing to do that. We're not willing to. So what is the maximum monthly mortgage payment we can afford, and what does that equate to in dollars for a house that we can look at? That's our budget. We want to be generous, we give 10%, and we try to be generous in and above of that because that's the example that's laid out in Scripture. That if someone has a need, we're going to help. And we can't always help, but we can always do something. So I'd like to challenge you to get involved, to serve, to be generous with your finances, pick up a baby bottle on the way out. I'd like you to challenge you, though, to also do intentional acts of service. I think we talk a lot about our random acts of kindness, random acts of service, and we have those. And it's great when you can pay for someone in the drive-thru that's going in after you, right? But also at the same time, they're planning on getting food. They've already ordered. And the most connection you can ever have with them is to kind of wave and smile as you pull away. But what if you knew of a neighbor who was just having a rough time? And you sat for a moment and thought, what can I intentionally do to serve them? Hey, I know this coworker who's has a parent who's not doing well. 
What can I do intentionally to serve them? And then maybe after the crisis or the need has passed, maybe, maybe you just stop by. Maybe you just stop by and say, hey, I know things are a lot better, but can I still just buy some pizza and have it delivered for you guys tonight? Or hey, I was just stopping at the gas station and got me a drink. I just thought I'd get you one too so I could stop in and just check in. And I know things were good, just want to make sure things are still good. And it's not just responding in times of crisis, it's responding intentionally over time. And it's responding intentionally over time that drives people to do one of two things. If they don't know Jesus, they'll ask the question, why are you doing this? But if they do know, it could drive them into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And as you serve, as you are generous, it'll also drive you into a deeper relationship with Jesus. And that's what it's all about. Making disciples is, is less about changing hearts, less about changing lives. It's more about being better disciples ourselves and pushing others to be better disciples and introducing people to just the love of who Jesus is, to his grace, to his truth. And it's just incredible. Father God, thank you so much for your son that, that came and changed everything for us. Thank you for the love and the cross. God, thank you for wanting to enter into a relationship with us. And we are just so thankful. God, I pray we don't take it for granted. I pray that we, we treasure it and we treat it like the gift it is. God, I pray that through this series, the last few weeks, we've been able to challenge some people. I pray, God, that we can push people into a deeper relationship with you. God, I pray that maybe we've said something that makes someone want to enter into a relationship with you. God, I thank you for the eternal life and the gift of salvation that you make available to us. And it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen.